Yes, hello, my friends, and welcome to this, an emergency show, our second one of the week. Hayden, we did one with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson earlier on, a draft with Al Zeidenfeld. But today, on a Friday, no less, while I was on the way to the grocery store, this news of Michael Thomas, who had this injury last week one, then decides to get surgery in June. What we know now, Hayden, is that he's going to be out multiple months, four months from the surgery date. So what's the status right now that you know? It's torn ligaments, and it's multiple torn ligaments in his ankle, it sounds like. That's why he had an initial surgery, I believe, in January. This was a follow-up surgery in happened in June. We don't know what part of June, but typically this surgery, since it's so severe, is a four-month timeline. Michael Thomas might be able to push it that a little bit, but what we've seen with high ankle sprains is when you're coming back too early, that's when setbacks happen. I think last year what Michael Thomas said was he knew it was Drew Brees' last season. He knew this was like the best chance the Saints had to win a Super Bowl, so he pushed it. It might have been worth it to do that because this season we weren't expecting the Saints to compete for a Super Bowl, but this is what happens. There's setbacks that happen. So right now I would set the over-under when he returns October 17th, somewhere around there. Like he's going to miss, I would say, six weeks, possibly eight weeks. And then we don't even know what Michael Thomas were getting uh, when he comes back. So it's it's a, it's a fantasy disaster. Four to eight weeks, I, I would put it at that. Um, these ankle, these foot injuries, typically it's with broken bones, but they never do well for wide receivers, obviously. I mean, that's a, a very important part of their game. And this absolutely sucks. One, because I just recorded a show where I talked for 20 <laughs> minutes with Nick Underhill about the Saints and talked highly of Michael Thomas like I've been all offseason because last year around this time we were drafting him in round one. Now he was going as wide receiver nine on underdog fantasy. And I thought there was a chance for him to vault back up into those top five wide receiver spots. That is not the case. So before we move on to possible replacements and what this means to other areas of the team, Hayden, it's not like he's going to miss the entire season. And at some point, hopefully, he becomes a value. So let's set that line. You and I both have uh, wide receiver rankings. They are up on underblog.underdogfantasy.com and soon a draft guide that all of you can get for free in the very near future. Not to bury the lead here, Hayden, but you have him very, very low, a very conservative projection here for Michael Thomas. Yeah, so my my initial reaction was like in the wide receiver 60s, like somebody mm -hmm. like Cole Beasley, somebody I think that's going to be a starting on a good team. I would rather have his production early on. Specifically for best ball, what sucks is like those like last four weeks of the season in like your regular league, at least you get him for, the, for those weeks. In best ball, you got to qualify for the playoffs. How are you qual qualifying for the playoffs? If you're drafting Michael Thomas, he's out for eight weeks. So uh, I might move that back up a little bit. It's It just seems like you're you're compounding multiple things. M missed weeks. We don't know what he's going to be like when he is back. We don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback when he's back either. We don't even know what the Saints are going to be looking like uh, this late into the season. When we were True. going through our depth charts, we said, oh, the starting lineups on both sides of the ball are very good, but they have zero depth. That was what the cap constraints were doing. And immediately you got... Onyemata, six-game suspension. Then you have Michael Thomas. Like you're, We're not even into training camp, and that starting lineup is starting to, to cave from underneath them, so it's it's not great for the Saints. We still trust in Sean Payton. I'm, I'm way higher than you just on an initial re-rank of Michael Thomas. I'm looking in that range of, I don't know, a Juju Smith-Schuster, a Darnell Mooney, a Rashad Baton, a Michael Pittman, Elijah Moore. I think I'd put him right after Elijah Moore. And for me, I'm well ahead of ADP on Moore at wide receiver 47. I think I'll put 
and this might be crazy. And again, maybe more details will come out. I think we're going to put Michael Thomas around wide receiver 48 above Nelson Aguilar, above Antonio Brown, above Henry Ruggs and where I have Cole Beasley fair. Yeah, I think that's like about the right range. So how I view best ball is you want to feel really good or good to great about five or six of your wide receivers. I don't think that good. You don't feel good to great to have Michael Thomas. So if he wants to be your six wide receiver and you're taking him in round 10 or something like that, I get it. He should not be your fourth wide receiver. But that's kind of like the the line. So if you want to take the risk and be a little higher on Michael Thomas and as your wide receiver five or wide receiver six, go knock yourself out. I just wouldn't be drafting him as like my wide receiver four right now. I think that you need those weeks. Like if he's going to miss what six weeks, possibly yeah. more, like it just gets tough. I think that's a great point, especially with wide receivers, how early they're going in underdog drafts right now. We totally think that's going to change in like the first or second week of August when more and more people really buy into it being fantasy football season right now, which it absolutely is. I think from Daigle, I think we're looking at week seven return on Monday night football after Saints week six bye. I can absolutely totally buy that. Um, Yeah, to your point, I'm okay with taking shots because I kind of already am in my wide receiver five, wide receiver six range, but I guess my rankings would have to reflect that. Also in that show that you can listen to on the podcast feed, the Underdog Football Show uh, with Nick Underhill, who's one of the best beat writers in the country. Uh, You know, we've been having this conversation of, well, who was the potential wide receiver two who might now on paper at least be their lead wide receiver. Uh, He absolutely thought it was going to be Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith has been the one and among others working with Jameis Winston. Uh, This would have to be though a post hype bump for Traquan Smith to actually do something now, what entering his third or fourth NFL season. Yeah. So the upside case with Traquan is that he wasn't really scheming up well with Drew Brees because a lot of Traquan Smith's best attributes are downfield and Drew Brees was never pulling the trigger on them. And what you kept seeing was the, the safeties would keep coming closer and closer and closer to the line of scrimmage because Drew Brees was not threatening down downfield. So maybe if Jameis Winston is starting, that Traquan Smith will be able to kind of unlock part of the game that we kind of projected him coming out of college. So that's the ups, upside case. I Obviously, you have to move him up probably 12, 15, 20 spots in your wide receiver rankings. I think this is going to be kind of like the Rams situation where the Saints are going to bring in some guy, yep. but the available guys are available because they're bad. So maybe it's like a golden Tate, somebody like that. Maybe they trade for Jameson Crowder. We know that the saints are going to be always very, very, very aggressive when it comes to cap stuff and trading up and draft picks. They really trust their evaluations. So maybe they trade for somebody, but I would be pretty surprised if they trade for like a true difference maker. It's probably going to be somebody that could be there compete for their number two or number three receiver spot. And like not a true alpha number one. Yeah, I've seen my fellow Twitter GMs go out there and suggest the likes of Nikhil Harry. Get out of here. Like, what is Nikhil Harry going to do on this team? Part of me actually, and obviously the Saints have known this. They have known that he had surgery back in June. It's not like a shock to them right now. Part of me wonders, Hayden, because again, in that show that I keep referencing, uh, Nick seemed like the odds on favorite was going to be Jameis Winston, even though in the back of his head, Sean Payton obviously still loves and cares for Taysom Hill. So if things went wrong, they would shift over to Taysom. I wonder without a true top wide receiver, if maybe just maybe that leads us more into the Taysom Hill starting. Is that too much of a galaxy brain thought? I dropped Jameis Winston down in my rankings and I moved Taysom up part partially because of that reason. Like this just makes hard. It makes it harder for James to keep the job if he doesn't have a true uh, number one receiver. And I think that Taysom Hill is going to be on the field just a little bit more because they need somebody out there. So even if Jameis is starting, like you have a higher opportunity of, of, 
Taysom Hill getting in there a little bit. So um, this was really bad news for Jameis Winston. I thought Jameis Winston was a sleeper. I don't think that he is anymore. His risk of getting benched is way higher now. And even when he is starting, like the offense is just going to go through Alvin Kamara and like they need Traquan Smith to break out. And like, it's been a long time since we've seen Traquan Smith be a baller. A few things. Uh, Traquan was going as wide receiver 67 on underdog. How much higher do you think he can go? Can he reach? I don't know. A Russell Gage at wide receiver 52 now. I initially have him as my wide receiver 61. I might move him up a little bit. Uh, I think that's about the right range. Is like you don't want to be banking on Traquan Smith, but obviously he becomes kind of like close to that, that Nelson Aguilar where we're taking a gamble on the player. We don't trust the player, uh, but the situation where he is the number one in an okay, not a disastrous offense on paper. Um, so that's kind of the range. The, the worst case scenario here would be if Jameis – can't move the ball because they don't have any wide receivers. And then Taysom Hill comes in. That makes Traquan Smith harder to compete. Adam Troutman, Marquez Callaway, all these guys that you need Jameis Winston to be in the starting lineup. And now like the odds of Jameis playing all 16, 17 games are, are way lower. Nick Underhill also made a good point that while we think Jameis with the LASIK can possibly make better decisions, what if also Taysom takes a, a step forward as a passer too? Because he's finally playing the position more and more focused on it, which that kind of is a storyline that's not talked about. And while we're talking about pass catchers and wide receivers, we didn't even mention Adam Troutman, but we can get to him a bit later. Maybe the biggest change in all of this is just the more focus that's going to be put on Alvin Kamara from, I would say, a receiving game's game point. In fact, last year, Hayden, he didn't lead all running backs in targets. He was second, I believe, behind J.D. McKissick. But in terms of raw targets per game in games played, it was 7.3 last season. And our friend John Dago, who's in the chat right now, from a tweet earlier, Alvin Kamara's target counts in eight games without Michael Thomas last season, 9, 14, 4, 10, 8, 13, 6, 5. He is being drafted. Right now, Hayden, as the running back four on underdog, while we think maybe the success of the Saints drops a little bit, I don't know how you can drop Alvin Kamara at all because of it. Because, again, this is just going to make him the complete focal point of the offense. I mean, his range of outcomes for a top five pick are so drastic because if Taysom Hill goes in there, he can easily stink up the joint and not pass the ball to Kamara. But if Jameis Winston can stay on there, or if Taysom Hill, they have to force uh, check downs to Alvin Kamara, even though that's not what Taysom Hill likes to do. Uh, he can go and be a top three back once again. I was looking back at his on-off splits with Michael Thomas as well. He averaged 30.8 PPR points per game without Michael Thomas last year on 24.3 expected fantasy points per game. So that's PPR, so we have to adjust that for, for underdog. But that is elite. That's like Christian McCaffrey numbers. And obviously the sample gets really weird because Taysom Hill might be in there and mess things up. Uh, Drew Brees probably more likely to throw the ball to Kamara than Jameis Winston. But when you remove Michael Thomas from the offense, like where would you throw the ball? You're going to throw the ball 25 to 30 times per game. Who are you throwing the ball to on the Saints? Like eight of those targets to me are going to Alvin Kamara. So like I'm keeping him as my uh, 104. I think that Ezekiel Elliott versus Kamara is interesting. I think Ezekiel Elliott's way safer than Kamara, um, but I would rather take the chance to win a million dollars and hope that Alvin Kamara has this like CMC role. Again, we're going to have some full concrete updated ranking soon. This is off the top of our brains. Uh, again, Alvin Kamara is going as running back four. So you would put him immediately after if I'm running this correctly, right after Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I go CMC, Dalvin Cook, teardrop, Ezekiel Elliott, 
Alvin Kamara. Then you get into your Chiefs pass catchers. Then you get into your Derrick Henrys, and then you go on from there. I just think that if you're looking between Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara's ceiling is just so much higher because of this like projected receiving uh, projection here. Appreciate you, Cow Money. Hit the like button, silly. It's a simple gesture to show some respect. We appreciate you, my man. Uh, we've gotten some questions from our friend Hectic Eclectic. Any bump for Latavius Murray, more run heavy? I don't think it's going to be a, a, a noticeable bump, noticeable bump for me, Hayden. Um, I think part of it is if the Saints were going to win games, they're going to run more often. And if we think, because our over-under total right now for wins is, is set at nine, that'll probably drop while typically it's only quarterbacks that drop that. I think the Saints might be a little bit different with, with Michael Thomas. Um, and I would say if they're losing more games, they're going to run less, period. Yeah, I didn't move Latavius Murray one way or the other. I mean, if Alvin Kamara missed time at the same time, like Latavius Murray would have like this insane workload. But the Taysom Hill being more probably more of a factor near the goal line now because they're just looking for bodies, it just makes it harder for like everybody. I think the only it's it's helpful for the, these Saints pass catchers. It might be kind of helpful for for um, Alvin Kamara, but for everybody else for the Saints, it's it's like it was the player that they could not afford to lose. Is him and Alvin Kamara and. Yeah, they already lost him. Just just from a fan standpoint, I mean, it always fascinates me when eras end in the NFL, when like total team identities leave. And that is obviously Drew Brees. And we've seen him, you know, miss some time in the last two years. And this was going to be like Sean Payton's chance with two great skill position players in MT and in Alvin Kamara to like do something. And then just taking one of those away, I feel like we're not even going to get like the full experience of what Sean Payton can be in the post Drew Brees era this year. But I, again, I keep going back to it. Um, I, it wouldn't be shocking at all for what Drew Brees put out on the field last year. And Nick said the same thing. If possibly they get better quarterback play this year, Hayden, I think that's in the realm of possibilities because I think we just look at the name brand that Brees showed last season, but forget that there were weeks where he just could not throw down the field. Like it vanished. And so if Jameis has improved and he throws down the field and he throws on the field more, to who is the question? But also just elevating the offense to be more, not necessarily more multiple, but more open might be the better way of putting it. That is something that I think might be lost in this conversation because it's all negative right now, and that might be a little bit of a positive. Well, I think it's easier for our stupid human brains to like just say, "Oh, we don't know who's starting at quarterback." Like, let's not even like try to pay attention for, or figure out the Saints' offense. But I think like we need to like actually try to take a stand here for fantasy purposes. Are you team Jameis or are you team Jameis is bad? And like I always want to be on team Jameis is actually a decent enough starter. So I knocked down Jameis's projection a little bit, but I'm still probably going to be higher on the market on Jameis than than everybody else just because I think I want to have faith in Sean Payton. Yeah. And I think this is the year where they're trying to find their future starting quarterback. They would probably rather have Jameis Winston be their future because Taysom Hill is older and has never played quarterback at the level that Jameis Winston's shown. So I think they're going to give Jameis Winston all the opportunity. Maybe this even actually like buys them like him a couple extra weeks if like the offense is bad and like he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Let's wait and see if Michael Thomas is ready, and then we can pull him if he stills stinking up the joint and still a top five offensive line, if not the best offensive line yeah. in the NFL. I keep bringing that because that is, that is incredibly important. Uh, James is going as quarterback 
25 right now on underdog. And by the way, if you're new to best ball, if you're new to fantasy football in terms of this part of the calendar, if you deposit anything, skip the guacamole at Chipotle, put, put that on underdog either in the app or online, and you get a free 25 bucks on us if you use promo code the show. Should we get out of here after talking about Adam Troutman? Um, yep, because Adam Troutman, a couple months ago, was everyone's favorite late round tight end. He's no longer a late round tight end, really, Hayden, because he's going as tight end 13. Uh, so almost a lock-in starter based on your drafts. Uh, you brought up a great comment on where he aligned last year because they really like him as a complete tight end, which means he's going to be in line a lot. And if we look at where fantasy points come from the position, we want the majority of their snaps to be split out in the slot or out wide. And just talking to Nick Underhill, he thinks that he's going to be basically an every down player. Maybe this changes that role a little bit, but it's not like purely a receiving tight end mark like Jared Cook has been in the past. Yeah, so that's why I was a little bit lower. But like obviously with the Michael Thomas move, like you can't sit there and like keep your feet in the sand. Like he he has to be moved up. He's going to get more targets. Like that's just the chain of command. That's how it goes. So Adam Troutman, I think that he shouldn't go flying up draft boards just because I still think that there is some concerns with his exact role and how good of a run blocker he is. Um, so I think I'll probably be like tight end 13, tight end 14, somewhere around there. Like I think that the Patriots tight ends are kind of have the same projection. Like someone, something like Hunter Henry has like a very similar projection to, to Troutman. They're not being drafted together. So I, I still think that there's better values to me in a tight end two than Troutman, but this makes Troutman more appealing. There's going to be more dump off opportunities um, if there's negative game script, uh, there's op- obviously just more targets to go around in general. Something that you just mentioned I want to bring up too. The Saints have been balling out with their tight ends in two-minute situations in the past. Now, I think part of that is because how quickly Drew Brees could have processed things. Yes. But like even during the Kobe Fleener years, like he got 70% of his volume or something during those two-minute situations. And so we know that Troutman's going to be on the field and might well, be a good well, player in those. So that would just be like four verts. Drew Brees sits, sits back and then like <laughs> – <laughs> all the linebackers and Drew Brees is like willing to go eight yards at a time. So that's where like Colby Fleener was like hyped up. So maybe <laughs> that's Tom Chapman this year. If you're really looking for a true, true late round tight end, I'll throw out two names and Hayden might agree with me on these. Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin is going as tight end 21 and I'll throw in Cole Komet too. Somehow going as wide as tight end 23. Um, give me give, if, late round tight ends. Give me Ferkser and Blake Jarwin. Okay. Berkshire's tight end 22. So we just said in the 21, 22 and, and 23rd tight end on underdog. All right, everyone. We really appreciate you all for tuning in again. When breaking news comes up, be sure to tune into our Twitter feeds, Hayden Winks, Josh Norris, because uh, we're going to go live here with some breaking news. Like and subscribe below. We appreciate everyone. We're going to be back live on Monday, 1230 Eastern with a look around the entire NFL. Two minutes, one big question for every single team in the league. So for Hayden. I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya.